and welcome to Blaze Pod. My name is Ben. It's Tuesday, the 11th of February. Joining me on the line, as always, it's Andrew from Roy's View From. How are you doing today, pal? Very good, mate. Have yourself? Yeah, a bit, bit cold. I mean, the sun's out right now, but it's just like every every 10 minutes it's either sunny or, or hammering it down with snow. But it's all right. We're inside. Yeah. I'm recording it against like a window and sun's shining on my head, so I'm quite hot actually, but I'm sure that'll change. <laughs> About 10 minutes ago, there were a load of hail hammering against the window, so if that comes through on the recording, mm-hmm. then, well, you just have to deal with it, I'm afraid. Hopefully not. <laughs> anyway, um, the Blades, another win. Our 10th win of the season, defeated Bournemouth on Saturday. We're up to 39 points and... Um, you know, we're all uh, we're, we're talk about the game itself uh, in in a moment, but I, I thought it was probably worth actually addressing the fact that we've pretty much achieved what our goal for the season was. I mean, you know, you and I both thought that United would stay up this season, but definitely my goal for the season, my whole sort of thing of this season is like, can we get to ten or twelve wins? Can we get forty points? And and we're basically there. I mean, you, you know, I've been saying for I would probably six weeks now we're not going down like. You know, all the evidence is there. We are actually a top ten team in this league. There's, yeah, there's no reason to think that we're suddenly going to lose like ten games in a row that would probably requ- be required for us to slip down the table. But yeah, I, I don't want to. You know, we're all sort of semi dreaming about Europe now, and I don't want to overlook the fact that we have we've done what everybody said we were not going to do: thirty nine points, ten wins. Brilliant. What did the uh, BT Super League have us down? You know, you know the Super Predictor. Oh yeah, twenty seven points or something. I think so, and the um, you know the kind of betting markets like Sporting Index had us about I think yeah twenty seven twenty nine points something like that. So yeah, we've, we've blown that out of the yeah. water, and you know we we get, get a lot of um, mainstream praise these days in contrast to uh, the start. It's a bit of the weird, season. isn't it? It really is. It's getting a bit weird. It, I, funnily enough, there were uh, someone alerted me to a post on the Bournemouth forum um, yesterday. It was, and it was slagging more me off basically, saying, <laughs> "Oh, the Sheffield United fans are gushing for you know the." the they just after so so much praise. They've even got a view from thread about what we're saying about them because they're desperate for praise. Like we're really not having to look quite that far, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, that's by true. Praise, but <laughs> yeah, it's um, and yeah, I just didn't want to overlook the fact that yeah, we've we've done what uh, hardly anybody thought we would. You know, a lot of I think even the most optimistic. Well, there are some United fans out there. I've actually bet on like a top four finish at ridiculous odds and things like that. Yeah, but I think the average United fan is probably like. If we can stay up, if we can get 38, 40 points, we're going to have done really, really well for ourselves. Yeah. To tick it off in on, what, the 9th of February or something like that with um, 12 games to go, it's just amazing. And, um, yeah, we've now got more points than uh, managed under Warnock. Ten wins, as I say. You know, at the start of the season, you sort of... I was thinking, yeah, can we get 10 or 12 wins? That'll be enough. But then I can look at the fixture list going... Where are those ten wins? You know, we we'll probably lose that one. We we'll probably exactly. lose that one. That might be a draw. But actually, you know, if anything, we probably should have reached ten wins quite a while ago. To be honest, just in just on the basis of how we played. This is the thing. We've not been out of any games. I just put that BT uh, table up. It doesn't actually say the points for some reason. But what it does say is this will be a painful season for newly promoted Sheffield United. The Blades will manage just to complete one game week outside the division's bottom five and they will finish last. They will suffer the biggest defeat of the season away at Anfield on New Year's Day where they will lose 6-0. 
don't know why. No. I don't know why that existed. To be honest, I thought. No, it was no. Oh, sorry, it does it. Thirty-two points. He actually said we were getting. So I've, uh, I've underplayed okay. that. Yeah, apparently thirty-two points. They've got the survivors on thirty-seven. So I hope that's right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Sporting Index now have us to get fifty-five points. Um, and finish, what's that, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, finishing eighth, so... Eighth, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Not in Europe, but still, <laughs> it's going to be a... Wild good, route. <laughs> be a good, good couple of months, you know, finishing ahead of Arsenal, Everton, that kind of thing, so... What are you saying, is it 60 points for top four, I think it is, normally, or that's the lowest ever or something like that, that's a massive, massive ass, realistically, we're not obviously... I'm not realistically thinking we are going to get top four and stuff. But I've said for weeks now, I, mean, I am genuinely just going to enjoy it now. Because even yeah. the Bournemouth game, so I think we are safe. When it went to 1-1, I still enjoyed it as a match. I still, mm. I wasn't sort of, probably the first home game, actually, since the yeah, whole season, I reckon, where I wasn't at the edge of my seat thinking, oh, my, yeah. what's going to happen next? But I was quite relaxed and enjoying it because I do feel that was safe. And I thought, even if we lose, it's not a disaster, you know. So, I'm, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. But mental, obviously, when we score. But... <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, I did look at the points needed uh, in previous seasons. It's it's to get top six usually. That's like around sixty points. So uh, mm. kind of sixty one, sixty two, sixty three is is usually what's been needed to get into the top six. So yeah. big ask that with the yeah. I know we've got an easy. Well, I say an easy run, a nice run of games coming up. But after that, it does look pretty difficult. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we got to. In fact, I'd be really, really surprised if we got to sixty points. But. Mm-hmm. Then this is, uh, you know, this is a, a season where points seem to be spread out more evenly than previous years. You haven't got the the three terrible teams at the bottom getting absolutely panned every single week, you know. So no. inflating everyone else's points total by six points. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, I'd be surprised actually if it was sixty points to finish in the top six. I mean, you know, you look at Spurs at the minute are on thirty-seven. You know, in yeah, most other seasons they'd probably be thinking like, "Oh, you know, we're, we're still not that far away from the relegation zone." But yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, yeah, the, the, as the fans sang uh, semi-ironically at full time, the Blades are staying up. Um, which did I loved make... it. Very Sinclair's reading out the Blades down were to fifth in the Premier League, and it was soundtrack by the Blades are staying up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to laugh. I was like, "Now we're singing that! Come on!" I've had the belief mm-hmm. for ages, but I appreciate the irony. Um, let's talk about the game. Uh, it went ahead for starters. That's the that's the first thing to say. Was, uh, yeah. uh, this is the most I have checked a weather forecast before a game of football ever. I think um, I was convinced it was going to get called off until about an hour before because of it, I met you in the pub obviously before and we came down in a taxi uh, and it were absolutely fine. I left my house like like Greenall came down to like. Uh, well, triple point where we went in, and you were hammering it down. It was like ridiculous, <laughs> like how bad. And I thought this carries on for another hour. There's no way this game's going ahead. And I was looking on the, the some of the scare stories on Twitter were the highlight of my day. Actually, just like someone's gonna die. So many like, oh, I mean, all right, I can understand people not going. I can completely understand, especially if you live quite far away. I'm not gonna risk this. I'm not gonna take my car down. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But people are like, someone's going to get injured. The South Yorkshire police need to sort this out. Like, calm down. Jesus. I think uh, I think injuries are more likely if South Yorkshire police are involved, it turns out, this weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah very much. Yeah. Cheap, cheap shot on South Yorkshire police, but hey, you, you probably deserve it, to be fair. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I... I... <laughs> I'm I'm very much of the opinion like if a game's on TV then it's not going to get called off and then of course 
it gets a pub and it's like, oh, Man City, West Ham has been called off. That's on Sky. <laughs> Ooh, maybe this one will go. But no, nah, it was... Uh, yeah, and then yeah. as it turned out... Bit... It was actually quite nice. Yeah, I think there's a few things about that. Uh, like, I, I know there's a few West Ham fans are thinking that City wanted that game calling off and didn't do all they could to, you know, to make ensure that run. I think it were almost like, well, if you have to call it off, you have to call it off. You know, Whereas I get the feeling we really wanted that game to be on. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much of that is in our. It's down to us, to be honest. Yeah. I saw a few people say that because, especially while there's been very um, kind of effusive about um, not wanting a winter break and wanting to keep playing. Um, but I, I, I don't think that's down to. I mean, we can't control the wind. I mean, that's all it is, isn't it? If you know, tiles are blowing off roofs or something like that. I and loved it again uh, the day before, where obviously Wilder with the boxing and people bumped into him. Saying, I've, I've spoke to Wilder. It's on tomorrow. It's like, well, he's not a weatherman. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not. It's not the referee. He doesn't get to decide these things. Um, but then, as it turns out, I spent the whole of the second half shielding my eyes from uh, glorious sunshine. But it was still pretty windy. Uh, not. Perfect conditions for football, much like um, our previous game actually against uh, against Palace previous week. A lot, of, a lot of wind around in that game as well. I didn't feel like it was it had a huge impact on the game, but maybe it would have just been a higher quality game uh, if if it'd been like better conditions. But at the same time, it wasn't it wasn't like you know players hoofing the ball up in the air and it coming backwards yeah. or anything like that. Was it? Did you did you feel there was any real effect on on the actual match? I said twenty minutes in. I said if you if you'd have just turned up for kickoff, you were, and I had no idea what had been going on outside in terms of the weather. You'd have no idea. I don't think anything. I mean, there were a couple of little things, a couple of slips, and a couple of you know wayward balls. But I, I, yeah, I, I didn't notice anything really. Nothing that I don't think the people watching it at home will have been thinking, "God, this is really causing." And it must have on the pitch. There must have been little things that have you know you've had to. I mean, there were a few goal kicks and stuff. I know Henderson's his distribution is not the best uh, uh, at this moment in time or whatever, but there were a few goal kicks that were going straight to their goalkeeper in the second half because the wind were blowing that way and stuff like that, but nothing unusual, I didn't think. Yeah, I thought in the second half, um, Henderson like he seemed to be trying to punch the ball more than catching it, which yeah. probably yeah. made sense, I think. Like, you know, The third or fourth time, I'd sort of gone from being like, why on earth is he doing this, to thinking, oh, he's doing it on purpose. Like, okay. Yeah, this is a ploy he's been told to do this, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to work out, is it is it safer to try and punch a ball than try and catch it if the conditions are windy? Like, what happens if you miscue um, your maybe with Maybe because, it, obviously, we're raining intermittently, weren't it? Or specifically mm. at the beginning of the game. I wonder if it's just the, the conditions in terms of the, the wet and stuff like that, but not sure. Anyway, no, uh, no harm done. Um... Overall feelings on the game, what do you reckon? It was a 2-1 win for the Blades. Didn't get off to a great start, but then uh-huh. uh, rallied, came from behind to, to get points, which we've done in, I saw this earlier, we've done this, I think in 60% of games we've gone behind this season, we've actually taken mm. points from those games. So um, pretty good effort. But yeah, what was your overall yeah. impressions of this one? I was fearing the worst the first 20 minutes. I actually said I wish this had got called off now because <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a long afternoon. and We just we didn't get going I don't think Bournemouth are particularly amazing. They passed it well and they, you know, they created a few things, but we were just really sloppy. And I, I, we, I don't know. It felt like we were still in the dressing room. I, I said like it, almost felt like we were expecting it to get called off, and we weren't yeah. really prepared. Which I know that that won't be the case, but you know that that's what I reckon. Sort of, yeah, that's how I felt. But after what the, it was weird how quickly we got back into it. It wasn't like a gradual thing. It just sort of went from 
I don't know, 25 minutes for them to be in, like the, by far the best side, to us just suddenly being all over them. Yeah. <laughs> like in that, with that final fl- uh, fl- uh, flurry of corners and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it reminded me again, it's another game this season, it reminded me of a championship match, actually, where mm. it was quite, uh, uh, it was competitive. Not the best quality, I don't think, from both sides. I think both sides could have probably done better with the ball in certain, in certain circumstances but I think we deserved it I think Eddie Howe's talking nonsense after by saying that they were unlucky not to get something because I think the final 60 minutes of the match it was just pretty much all United other than a few breaks yeah that would alarm me as a Bournemouth fan uh, Howe mm. saying they deserved uh, did he say they deserved something or they deserved to win I think it deserved something when it, I, like, I think he said deserved something I don't think he did quite did the David Moyes yeah I, I, don't, I don't know if we're just, just so used to Wilder you know, say basically being completely upfront of like, you know, yeah. if, if he'd been managing or if the game had gone for us as, as it had for Bournemouth, there's no way he would have said we deserve something from it. No, no, absolutely no, no. no way. He would have said we were really poor from about 25 minutes onwards, and you know, yeah, deserve got what we deserve basically. Um, well, from a Bournemouth fan's point of view, you're looking at the first 25 minutes and you think, what happened? That's what I'd be thinking anyway. Mm. Because they were totally in control, and I don't really think... I think United definitely improved. They were more on it. They, they got further up the field. But I think in the early stages of that first half, when we started gradually getting getting back into it, I don't think we really had to do that much to get back into it. Yeah, I mean, when you said about um, <clears throat> it felt like a championship game, I, I sort of... Yeah, I, I kind of felt that in terms of... Um, you know, we actually did build, build up a head of steam, for want of a better phrase, in terms of, like we just basically pinned them in and it was you know yeah. cross after cross corner after corner you know they were just getting nothing at all and yeah I was you know glad we got the goal just before half time because I think that would have been a major let off for them if they'd been able to go in 1-0 up which yeah, yeah based on the, the previous 20 minutes or so would have been quite unjust I think um, I thought we actually started quite well like the first few minutes you know Fleck had yeah had the first that, minute or so yeah yeah Fleck had that shot uh, shot blocked which looked like it was um, heading for the corner but then yeah as you say um, Bournemouth much the better team for the next 20 minutes you had um, Harry Wilson head one wide uh, Callum Wilson kind of hooked one just wide as well um, and then the goal itself came from uh, well it came from a giveaway by Berger which yeah. I think I mean part of this bad kind of twenty minutes or so. I think, well, the part of this this more dominant twenty minutes from Bournemouth, I think, was down to us being a bit all over the place. I mean, yeah. I, I thought Callum Wilson gave uh, Egan and O'Connell like a really tough thirty forty minutes or so, but at the same time, it's kind of like how is he getting the ball all the time? Like, I mm. don't understand how he's beating you to all these in all these challenges and like emerging with the ball. It wasn't like he was just winning a header; he was actually. You know, every fifty-fifty, he was coming up with the ball under control, and yeah, mm. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's something you could say uh, was weather-related because the wind was definitely blowing towards the cop in that first half. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same in the second half or if it died down or not. So I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that had a bit of an effect, but yeah, the goal itself, a really bad, uh, bad mistake by Berger. I, if, if I was being charitable, I could say perhaps he didn't see the Bournemouth player because of the referee because he was stood immediately behind him. It was almost like the goal we conceded. He's still a lazy pass though, isn't he? Because he's yeah. quite clearly not picked anyone out. If you're not sure, just get rid. Yeah, that's fair. And um, yeah, he, uh, he held his hands up afterwards. I mean, we, you know, we had a few chances to clear. It wasn't like he just, you know, passed it square along the box and the guy smashed it in or anything like that. But No, no, no. 
he wasn't under much pressure and yeah, passes it straight to the Bournemouth. Really line. annoyed me, the goal actually, because like you say, there were a couple of chances to clear. It were a bad ball out and then it was just bouncing around. And again, it, I think it summed up that first 20 minutes where we were just sort of quite static. We were quite sort of not... I think in another day, Egan charges out and gets rid of that and he goes out for a throw-in or, or O'Connell. I'm not picking Egan out, you know, any of this, the centre-hours really. And I, I don't know, we didn't feel like, I didn't feel like we were on the front foot. Yeah, so it comes out to Fraser, uh, who will be discussed at length, I imagine, in this podcast, as it was the first time we played Bournemouth as well. It was a bit yeah, of a, bit of a, yeah, so a, pre, a bit of a warning for uh, this game, I guess. Uh, it comes into Harry Wilson, his shot is blocked, but yeah, runs runs straight back to his namesake, who... Uh, Wallops into the net. I forgot he'd actually scored Callum Wilson um, a couple of weeks ago, so this wasn't his first goal in forever. He has been back on the goal scoring. Uh... I blame myself. I, I turned around to a mate soon after, as soon as he scored, and said, "That's my fault. Like, I've been slagging him off for months, <laughs> <laughs> making jokes about him not having a shot since November or wherever it was." So, yeah, it's my fault, that goal. <laughs> yeah, goes in the net. Um, almost from the kickoff, we almost conceded again. I mean, this is what I mean about Insane, this. Insane, sort of, yeah. I mean, you said the exact phrase earlier that I said to my dad. I was like, it's almost like we expected this game to get called off and we're mm. just not at the races at all. Um, that was that was such a simple mistake, and I think it were too, I think it were a pretty poor pass from Norwood. I don't know, I don't know. It, it, it's not going straight to Egan, but it should still get 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 hold of that ball. Yeah. There's no getting away from that and yeah if they'd have scored straight from that god knows what would have happened I think it's uh, Fraser again in it driving towards the box and he, he chips yeah. it towards um, Tyrone Mings uh, sorry Philip Billy he's <laughs> coming in at the back post and uh, he, he fortunately doesn't get a good contact on it and uh, yeah that would have been well I mean that could could very easily with a better pass have been 2-0 it probably if you're a Bournemouth fan you're probably thinking that should have been 2-0 to be honest and then yeah, it is probably a very different game um, I think it woke us up a little bit I think the crowd yeah. straight after that were like what you know what are you doing and everything raised it a bit and things did improve I think after that definitely um, just want to double click on Berger a bit here actually because uh, yeah that was a that was a rough 10 minutes or so for him I've got to be honest well, he you know he I don't know how to. I don't want to strain to cliches here in terms of like, oh, he didn't look like he, you know, was used to the pace of the Premier League or anything like that. But I think he just made a lot of mistakes in like quite a short period of time. You know, he, had, he gave away a really, a really soft free kick, which was a free kick. It was one of them where just don't touch the guy. Like, you know, at best he's going to get a corner out of it when you block his cross or something like that. But he ends up bringing him down. Obviously, the giveaway for the goal as well. I think he gave it a, quite another sort of. Uh, oh, he put um, a real hospital pass to uh, Fleck, I think it was, um, just inside their half, which ended up being a counter-attack to them. But I will say, and you know, I'm sure some people will be like, well, what do you expect? It cost £22 million or whatever. Of course, he's got better. But he did get better, and there were some really nice yeah. flicks. And that back heel on the touchline to sort of play it inside to bash him, and then you know, we're on the counter ourselves. And then you know, he, he got involved in the final third as, as part of this kind of... Um, period of us getting back into the game I think and yeah so that was uh, you know it was good for a <laughs> again you know I know he's a, a younger player but he has played in the Champions League so maybe you would expect this but it was good that he didn't kind of um, shrink from the uh, from the limelight I yeah, suppose yeah I'm, I'm not worried about it I'm really not I, I thought it'd be like this for the first three or four games to be completely honest I, I really think it is going to take a while to get up to that page get up to that role yeah, he needs to cut out a few things, obviously, and I'm sure Wilder will say that. But yeah, I'm, not, I'm really not worried at all at the moment about Burge. He weren't the he weren't a good performance by any stretch. He was arguably our worst player on the day. But yeah, I, I, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and that that right centre midfield role all season has been a bit 
I mean, Lundstrom's obviously done brilliantly, and we'll we'll talk about him yeah. definitely in a little bit. But it is kind of a, I would say it's the least involved of certainly the midfield, but a lot of positions on the pitch in terms of like how often they're on the ball because it's that kind of box to box, you know, make a yeah. tackle, lay it off, or just be the guy arriving on the ball. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't displace Norwood and, and Flex certainly not at this no. stage of the season or of their relative performance levels, I suppose. But yeah, I, I do. I definitely see that he will be more suited to being more involved, I think, than just being, you know... It's a really difficult role because we've tried it many a time, even in the Championship, and it didn't quite work. We tried Ryan Leonard there. We tried mm. Lundstrom there, you know, for a long time. Um, that When we didn't play Duffy in the Championship and played that flat three, yeah. it took ages, didn't it, for it to work. It's only this season that it's really worked. Yeah, abs- yeah. I mean, shockingly so, really, the, the, the difference yeah. in... Uh, in previous seasons um so yeah as you say we we definitely kind of uh you know got back in the game wrapped it up a bit i think the first sort of proper moment was when sharp hit the side netting um which was really nice work from mcburney i mean he gets a little yeah. bit of luck he kind of stumbles through that challenge doesn't he but i like that uh you know i like that he was willing to dribble at the defender um and then he plays a good reverse pass to stevens uh and his cross kind of uh, just goes in between defense and goalkeeper and um, it's, it's not an easy chance for Sharp on, on the angle. He puts it into the side net. And we'll say, I reckon there's probably an amazing montage of Stevens' crosses to be made for this season. It feels, <laughs> yeah. like, it feels like genuinely two or three times a game is just fizzing across this low pass. And mm. we, weirdly, not that many of them have ended up in the back of the net. I was just thinking no, about no, no. McGoldrick at Spurs, for example. You know, that one gets disallowed. And I think there was uh, there's definitely been a couple in, in other games recently as well. Um Norwood had that shot that deflected just wide off uh, off Ake, which I thought was in actually like, as soon as it hit the guy. Um, yeah. I think from that corner, McBurney had that header save by Ramsdale, yeah, and then yeah, on, yeah. right, yeah, which is a, a good a good save. It's not a it's not a great header, I don't think. Uh, you know, watching it again, he's um, I don't know, he, he don't really. It sort of just hits him rather than. Him, like, yeah, I think goal. I think even if Ramsdale misses that, he's getting cleared off the line. If it's a little bit to the right, because there's two players on the corners and he's not mm. got enough power on it, has it? Yeah, they uh, they had a lot of men on the line during this period. I'll say, <laughs> you know, we were just sort of playing exclusively <laughs> yeah. in their penalty area for a while. Um, we had another corner that um, I think it ended up getting recycled to Nord, and it kind of it, it fl- I think off Ake again. It sort of gets skimmed just wide, and then. Finally. I love that ball from Norwood on that corner. The corner were awful, and then it's almost like he was quite. I don't know. He hit it almost as if he were angry. Oh, I missed <laughs> that corner. Up. Right, bang! There's the ping. Yeah, <laughs> and was... obviously, like it caused massive amounts of danger, and we obviously got another corner from it. Which, from which, I think we actually did yes. equalise um, finally. And yeah, Billy Sharp's first Premier League goal at Bramall Lane, and and what a goal <laughs> it was! It was, it was the quintessential Classic Sharp goal. goal. Yeah, I mean, I've been been saying before this game. Um, you know, Sharp's obviously not played as much as most of our other strikers, really, and he he hasn't had a chance, I don't think, since um, like a proper chance where you think like Sharp is going to score here. I think since the no, Burnley home game, the only game they were one at Newcastle, which I got, I think, got called offside. Do you know where? Uh, oh, I forgot his name, Newcastle keeper Dubravka. That's the man. Yeah, I'm not going to pronounce that. But he pulled one of his uh, wonder saves off that he's been doing all season. But I think that got flagged offside. Oh, you know, the diving head. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah I, think, that's I think that's it. And, I mean, has he sort of five games in the Premier League? Uh, if he has, they've been the last five, haven't they? 
started against Newcastle. Um, and then he started the last three. He might be four. He's got two in four. Yeah, it's not too bad, is it? Um, <laughs> and yeah, he was, uh, you know, he is just that, that man in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it was, it was a... It was a nice moment to see him knock this one in. Um, so how does this come about? Another corner goes deep to the back post. Uh, Berger hooks it straight up in the air, mm. <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Ramsdale comes out to um, well to try and punch it. O'Connell's very savvy um, and gets himself in the way in a, a manner that is not going to lead to a foul because it ends up with sort of Ramsdale trying to jump over him, but O'Connell's just standing yeah. his ground. Pretty weak, uh, weak punch. Goes to Stevens. He fizzes in yet another low cross with his left peg. Um, Egan has it blocked on the line and it bounces to Sharp. Of course, yeah. he's not not going to miss from there. And uh, yeah, well done, Billy. Two goals against Bournemouth this season. And um, <laughs> yeah, as I say, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a different story if he if we don't get that equaliser just before half time. So it was uh, it was important and that's that is the value of Sharp right there, isn't it? They were three minutes injury time in the first half, which the Bournemouth fans on the view from after like one of them was saying, Why was there so much injury time? And another one replied, Because we kept going down all the time, which we'll obviously <laughs> we'll come to later on, but those three minutes were legit three minutes. I don't think you can have any because they were going down like from the what tenth, fifteenth minute or whatever it were when they scored, should I say? Pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah. So those three minutes, you know, stay. I mean, it's a contrast from last week where uh, Norwood were dragging Moose off the floor, weren't he, at Palace <laughs> when he yeah. went down? You know, if they'd have got up, and who knows, it would have probably not got that goal. So you know, karma. Nice. I like <laughs> yeah. that. A good case, well made. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that that last twenty minutes of the first half, we had nine shots in uh, nine shots in the sort of um, twenty five minutes to end the half. Sorry, mm. uh, in which Bournemouth had precisely zero in that time. So yeah, it was it was very much one way traffic, and that's what I mean. It's I don't feel like we've done that too many times this season, no. where we have like just completely swamped teams and they can't get out, and we are you know corner after corner, cross after cross. I think we ended yeah we ended up with thirty six crosses in the game to Bournemouth's fifteen, which is yeah, a real, a real peppering, basically. You know, making yeah. the making the defenders stab it away. You know, there was um, O'Connell. Uh, I want to talk about O'Connell as well, actually, in a little bit. But he fizzed in that fantastic cross, didn't he, which uh, towards Egan's head and yes, yeah, yeah, Ake again. It went basically Ake and, and Billing did some sterling defensive work. I thought. I thought. I mean, I'm not. I've always thought Ake were a little bit overrated. I think he's a really good defender when he's linked with Chelsea and stuff. I'm thinking. I'm not sure about that. But I think we're brilliant for them, to be honest. Yeah, he he is really good actually. I think um, he's, he's still pretty young, right? I think he's like twenty three. Yeah, I, I don't know why I've always 24. sort of had this. Mm, is he good enough for the very, very, very top? But yeah, he's, he's massively gone up in my estimations with that performance. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not quite in the uh, De Bruyne, Salah uh, no. realms, but uh, <laughs> another player that Chelsea have let go and suddenly probably would quite like him back yeah to be well he is linked with him isn't he and I, I think he did did he ask for a transfer or or something like something happened where he were linked with it and they were mm. I think if they go down it'll be uh, certainly be off anyway oh yeah uh, 100% <clears throat> completely agree um, into the second half uh, we almost scored immediately with uh, Sharp getting on the end I don't, do you know I don't think McBurney actually did flick this but it doesn't get to Sharp unless he challenges for it no um, no Sharp with it you know this is a I did not expect him to score from this position. It didn't look easy at all, and in the end, he gets a really good shot away. Um, and all right, it's, it, you know, it's, it's close to Pickford. Who, who, sorry, 
It's close to Ramsdale. If it were Pickford, they'd gone in. <laughs> That's exactly why I was, I've got Pickford in my head, is what I was about to say. Because it, it reminded me a bit of um, the shot that Pickford did let in. Yeah, uh, against Bentecchio. Against Bentecchio this weekend, um, except Sharp actually you know, properly hit the shot, whereas Bentecchio did not hit the shot properly, but Pickford somehow allowed it in. I think we were seeing two English goalkeepers that are better than Pickford in this game, to be honest. Mm. Um, but there you go. It was a, a good save. Um, I, I don't... Am I am I forgetting something, or were we not not quite as dominant in the second half? I don't think Bournemouth were really in it either, but I didn't feel like we were. I thought we had a under pressure. I thought we were we were sort of probing without actually creating too many chances. I thought we were in control. Hmm. That said, they probably had the best chance of the the entire second half with uh, Anderson's r- really good save. Yeah, uh, so Musa comes on for Sharp. Um, we did have this one chance where he. It combines with McBurney. I think it's um, it's either Baldock or Basham gets in the box and uh, they sort of stab the cross away yet again. It kind of ricochets mm-hmm. off McBurney who eventually lays it to Musa. And I kind of lost the ball here, actually. When, when Musa hit it, I was just like frantically looking like, where is it? <laughs> like, has it gone in? Like, obviously, the crowd reaction told me it had, but it just disappeared. But yeah, yeah again, one of their many, many defenders uh, got in the way. It was a really off. good block. I think it was Smith, weren't it? A really good block that from him, to be fair. He read it really well and like balls coming across. Moose, another day that goes in. But I, these were the sort of chant. That was like a, the sort of thing we were doing, putting balls across the box. Mm. They were getting rid defenders in the way all the time. So exactly. whilst I felt in control and whilst I felt like we were the better team, certainly playing the better football, we weren't really breaking him down as such. There were a few times we got in behind with a bold up one where it ended up hitting him in the face and going out for a, a goal kick, which is just unlucky. There were one where Basham got behind as well uh, with, with a real. I don't know. I think it might have been O'Connell with the the, the switch pass. Yeah. Um, so we were we were getting away. We were getting in, should I say, like two or three times without actually really creating a clear cut chance. And you always have to watch out with Bournemouth from the breaks. They've got a couple of fast players, aren't they? The two Wilsons and stuff like that. And but yeah, I felt in control, but. I didn't really think we'd actually going to break him down, actually, at one point. Yeah, it looked like it was going to come from a kind of scruffy cross kind of thing, yeah. like, like that Moussa chance. Like that. Uh, scruffy, no, it was a little bit scruffy because, yeah, as I say, defender kind of stabs it away. Um, yeah, they had a couple of, like, super long-range, like, why are you even bothering shots that... Mad, mad shots, yeah. <laughs> pretty much made the upper tier. Certainly uh, one from Harry Wilson certainly uh, drifted onto the netting that was covering the away fans, so... <laughs> Yeah, not not yeah. not great. But then, yeah, they as you say, they they had. Um, it wasn't a great chance, but it was it was a great shot and a fantastic save. Um, good bit of play from Callum Wilson. Uh, it lays it off to Fraser, who just drills it with his left foot. And it actually, I didn't realize this at the time, but it goes through Baldock's legs, does it? It's uh, it's an inch away does, from, yeah. from doing him some serious harm, I think. But, um, <laughs> I guess fortunately for for him, it, it manages to. Uh, Avoid all parts of him, and uh, yeah, it's a, a fantastic save. Really, just absolutely top draw from Henderson. Yeah. So many times this season, he's had like next to nothing to do, and then suddenly he's called upon to do something pretty spectacular, and he does it. And I, I really do think that's like immense credit to him. You know, he doesn't get the chance like like Debravka at Newcastle, like yeah. um, like Ben Foster at Watford through the. <laughs> maybe the first half of the season, he doesn't get the chance to like constantly showcase how good he is because he isn't getting peppered with shots. I mean, yeah. you know, Bournemouth had 10 shots in this game, but I mean, hardly any of them were from like good areas or anything like that. So 
Yeah, this this is fantastic. And I think also I think he's um, getting I think he's better than he was last season. I think he's getting better and better and better. And this is why I think it's going to be it's it's quite weird in it that the the better he plays, the harder it is for us to sign him in in any way permanently because yeah. there's got to be clubs around the world looking at him now. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, given his age, you know, if you're a I mean, it's whether you take a risk as a as a kind of super club on, you know, on on someone that is a young goalkeeper, but that's such an asset. I mean, he could be, yeah. you know, if you if you truly believe he's, you know, let's say, I don't know, a, a top ten goalkeeper in the world or something like that, that's probably probably too bold a claim. But you know, maybe there are clubs out there that do think that, and you and you spend, I don't know, fifty million on him or something. Mm-hmm. That's it could be your goalkeeper for the next fifteen years, genuinely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. It's, it is getting harder and harder, unfortunately, to sign him. But I suppose uh, I suppose you wouldn't want the reverse, would you? Whereas, no, uh, no, no, no. That's it. I mean, this is it. Here. This is the thing with all our players. I think even the players who were tied down to contracts, if they carry on playing well, they are going to be linked to other clubs and it is going to be hard to keep them. And I think you just have to accept that. Every club struggles outside the top four to keep the, or even the top four to a certain degree. Even like you, everyone, Ronaldo, obviously. Man, you couldn't keep all of him uh, back in the day. So, But it works for both of us. If he's playing well for us, we're doing better. We're more of an attractive proposition for other clubs. So it all, you know, I mean, I, I don't get too worried about this, like losing players and um, losing Henderson and stuff like that, because we're in a position now where he's put us in that position or helped put us in that position where we're more attractive to replacements. Absolutely. And uh, I I think for players that we actually own as well, you can Mm. be pretty confident we're going to get good value for them if they do move on, you know. I, I think it's uh, not to suddenly put a bit of a downer on it, but um, you know, I think it's very feasible that O'Connell is not playing for us next season. I mean, I, I think he's probably more likely to than than not. But... Yeah, it won't be beyond the bronze of possibility though, if not. And I just don't yeah. want the same old United meltdown because he's we're playing at the top top level. If these players go, they're not going to go to a, a you know a, a Bournemouth like Brooks did. They're going to go to. a Tottenham Man United and that's really difficult to stop yeah and also they're going to go for serious serious money that, that yeah. makes sense to us as yeah, well yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. rather than the uh, the classic his head's been turned kind of thing like yeah exactly can't, yeah. can't stand in his way that kind of thing um just one one final note on Henderson that I was uh, it kind of occurred to me is obviously we um we don't concede many we don't score many so we we play a lot of tight games I was just from from memory I think we've only won what, maybe two games by more than one goal this season, being Everton and Burnley. Have I forgotten one? Villa? Got... Oh, Villa oh, no. was 2-0 as well. Yeah, that was 2-0. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was, yeah. Um, yeah sorry, it was. So a handful, let's put it that way. So, yeah. you know, the, the, there's a lot of turning points. You know, when Henderson makes these saves, it's not like we're 3-0 up and he's, you know, keeping a clean sheet or, you know, we're 2-0 down and he's keeping no, it respectable. No, no. He's, uh, he's keeping us in games with these... Huge moments where he suddenly, you know, if they go, if um, it was obviously one-one at this point, mm. if they go two-one up, who knows? Maybe they just time waste the hell out of the rest of the game. Because I think that probably would have happened, Emble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that seems the most <laughs> genuinely the most logical conclusion from what we saw, um, yeah. and that was with the game level at one-all. So, yeah, massive save. You know, it technically probably not the most difficult save in the world because it was it was at the kind of classic good height, but the. It's the first time here. It's hit incredibly hard. I always, I always like to look at the players, the the guy that's shot, their reaction when a yeah. save is made. And uh, Fraser definitely thought this was a goal when he hit it. So, I mean, yeah. I, I can't, I can't be bothered to do it now, really. But I reckon you go down every single game this season. You could pick a save out that has changed the course of the game. 
you know, just off the top of my head, the, Nor- the Norwich save, obviously, mm-hmm. that was probably his best of the season. West Ham's save, you know, the free kick that he pulled oh, off. Oh, the Lanzini, yeah. Yeah, I mean, every game, literally, you can say, wow, yeah, that that could if that had gone in, that's 1-1 or that's 1-0 or whatever, you know, and, it, and everything changes. Yeah, definitely. But fortunately, it keeps us at 1-all, and that gives us the opportunity to take the three points, uh, which we fully deserved, in my opinion. Um the throwing routine comes out again. I think we bamboozled them by uh, by being slightly further up the pitch this time. But uh, yeah, little one two with uh, the release of Stevens, who plays it into the box to Musso, who's found some space, and he passes it to Lundstrom. With who's also come on as a substitute for <clears throat> Berger at this point. What a finish this is! This is a, a again. I, I don't want this to be underplayed. This is a brilliant bit of footwork from Lundstrom, who. To be honest, did not look good up to this point. Am this I, is the uh... funny thing. After he scored, everyone was <laughs> like, Lundstrom should be back in the team after that performance. You were pretty poor, to be honest. <laughs> I thought he was shocking. He was like, he had his uh, shoes on the wrong feet. He, uh, you know, there, there was, uh, what was it? He, I think he had a chance to shoot on in the box when it got pulled back to him and he just sort of, <laughs> almost just hit him on it. the leg. Yeah, and then he had yeah. another one where he was, he was trying to work a sort of triangle on the edge of their box. It's, you know, that's, that's not an easy pass to make, that sort of slip down the side, but the one, the one thing I will say about Lundstrom is his goal for it is better than all our midfielders. He's in the right areas. He's mm. He could have had three goals and he ran in the pitch 20 minutes and he didn't play well. You know, That's on another day, he's, he's he's putting three in the net. His, his arrivals into the box and his movement off the ball is really underrated. Yeah, and I, I, I thought it was significant he's on that. He's in that left channel here, isn't he? When, you know, when he, mm. where he scores from it. So I don't know. I mean, I was trying to work out if that's uh, if that's him improvising or if it's uh, if it's a set thing because we had a throw in on that side, so we move all our midfield mm. over to that side. I don't know. I'd, I'd need that's, to. I don't know. I'm not, I don't. I'd have to look at that actually. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on uh, for future future throw ins, I guess. Because yeah, we we suddenly had two men in in good positions essentially on that inside left channel with um, with Musay and, and Lundstrom. But. Yeah, brilliant footwork. You know, it it was so fast. It almost to the point where it looked like a first time finish. But he has mm. that one touch to just kill it, and then the ball's practically under his feet in it. But he just uh, stabs it into the net before anyone can really get set. And yeah, good for him. Um, one of the weirdest goals this season, simply because it came out of nowhere. How like sort mm. of just a throw in in the middle of the pitch. Like I'm just looking around the ground, and the next minute, like I thought McBurney had scored it. By the way, so and you. Yeah, so I've seen a few other people say the same. Uh, I think Sarah I'm played. the only one. Uh, I think I'm the only one that thought it was Lundstrom. It seems like every, <laughs> everyone else seems like I'm sure it was McBurney that scored. Silent Blade on S2 said that he was confused to why they were interviewing Lundstrom after because he was like, "Why are they interviewing him? He just come on for 20 minutes. I didn't realise he'd actually got the winner even after the match." So yeah, I don't know why. I just thought it was McBurney. No, no logic to it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is an unusual place, as I said, for Lundstrom to be in. I suppose maybe that's part of it. Um, on that yeah. left-hand side, yeah. but yeah, top finish, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we we kind of praised him last week in his performance coming off the bench and having having basically gone down to uh, third choice in your own position. I mean, mm. uh, the the lack of Bessic in the last two games suggests that Lundstrom is is second choice for that position yeah. at the moment. Um, I think he's more yeah. a game changer from the bench as well. I think that's another reason he's been on the bench. I don't know if I don't know if Bessic scores that goal, for instance, just because he's not quite as forward thinking from what yeah. I've seen. I think that's entirely fair. Um, and yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit of uh, fan debate as to you know should Lundstrom now start again ahead of uh, ahead of Berger, um, which personally I, I don't agree with at all. Um, I think. 
maybe you could make a case for it if our next game was do or die. Yeah. But I think given the situation of our season, no, get as many minutes as possible into Burnley. I agree. Getting I think I, I, obviously we're playing Brighton, and then it's a bit of a week off, and then it's the Cup. I play Lundstrom in the Cup, personally. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also like your point about um, him being well-suited to coming off the bench. Mm. You know, just high-energy burst. And, yeah, as you say, you know, well, as, as I say, he kind of did, did quite a few things wrong. But as you said, you know, he was in position to score a couple of goals in this game in, yeah. in a very short period of time. So. And this is the difference with Bessic. I don't know if he gets into them positions to, you know, to create those sort of chances or be in those sort of areas where it's a, a goal threat. Yeah, I've uh, yeah not seen too much evidence of that from uh, from Bessic. I think he's, he he does seem to be a someone. Yeah, just plays a bit deeper. I think, um, and that was it. That was uh, that was the win. I don't remember Bournemouth having any real opportunities. I mean, they had a sort of header from a corner, I think, but it never really looked like it was going to be major danger or anything like that. Um, and yeah, that was uh, a deserved win for us. I think. I mean, you know, uh, outshot Bournemouth sixteen ten. Uh, XG was a shade over two for us, a shade over one for them. Uh, quite unusually, we had more possession than them, which is, I just want to, mm-hmm. you know, I find possession quite a meaningless statistic usually, but yeah. I wanna, wanted to call that out because actually for, for once we did have more possession than them. And yeah, I, I felt like that was, I felt like that was down to how well we were playing in the in that sort of second period, of second phase of the game, if you like, rather than Bournemouth being like, yeah, you just have it, lads. And you know, we're not really bothered about you knocking it around because, yeah, it wasn't like we were just passing it around the halfway line. I don't no, think. it wasn't. I mean, we, were, we were playing with purpose after that first 20 minutes, and uh, no doubt about it. And uh, maybe it's a good point to talk about Jack O'Connell, actually, because, uh, yeah, his uh, he was very heavily involved in this game from a, an attacking point of view. I think he had the most passes of, um, certainly of any United player, probably any player full stop, actually, now I think about it. He had the most attacking third passes for us, which is is quite unusual. It's not 100% unusual, but usually when he's quite high, it's because he's kind of doing these little triangles in yeah. the, you know, the left corner. But this time, you look at his pass map, which I, I tweeted out the other day, some fantastic switches of play. You know, these kind of 50-yard passes basically over the top, and so many of them successful. I think it was like six out of seven or seven out of eight successful. Yeah. And the amount of times he just pinged it straight to Baldock, who, you know, is running into the penalty area. It's interesting because I amazing. thought first half he was pretty poor. Oh, oh, the first 20 minutes of the first half, I thought he was pretty poor with the ball. Mm. I think there were a couple of wayward passes and a couple of just sort of lazy passes down the flanks. I don't know if you down agree. Down the line. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally do. Yeah, it, it was almost... Yeah, I, I, he was sort of trying to slide them down the line a little bit, wasn't he? And yeah, just just giving it away. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was just a suddenly a, a change of a change of plan, basically. Of like you know, Bournemouth are effectively shutting down this this pass down the line that allows yeah. me to get forward as well. And um, yeah, I'm gonna have to switch it to the other side instead. But you know, but it wasn't it wasn't unmarked. He had Re, uh, Diego Rico quite close to him a lot of the time, and. Yeah, just just sailing these perfect balls yeah, onto really, his yeah. chest, onto his onto his foot. Really, really good, I thought. And yeah, I, I well, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but he has to be in the English squad. It's just ridiculous how you can watch when Jack is it? O'Connell. March. Uh, March is the next international break. Yeah, I think there's two. Yeah, he's not in it. I said this last time. I'm finished with, with, with Southgate. I'm, I'm I'm even more finished with Southgate if you don't pick him this time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for sure. Um, oh, I forgot to mention uh, Lundstrom's celebration when he oh, scored. Yeah. <laughs> Social so, media outrage. Unbelievable. 
Lundstrom scores and has the temerity to kind of wave his hands at uh, teammates in a sort of shooing gesture for all of like, what, two seconds before yeah. everyone hugs him. Um, yeah, and, and some people thought this was a, uh, a, a bad reaction from him to uh, to celebrate in that way. Uh, Thank which... God McBurney didn't do it because that would have been enough to tear his contract up, wouldn't it? After... <laughs> Send him back to, uh, yeah. back to Swansea. Um, yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm just baffled by that, to be honest. I just, I think it answers the question of like, even if we're having an incredible season, will people still find something to get upset about and moan I'm about? Worried. And... I'm worried if we don't finish in the top six, people are going to be saying, "Well, that were a chance we've missed," you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, worried about it. It does. It does seem like people are picking out, you know, little things, and I, I don't know. People are having to go to the club for not calling the game off before, weren't they? Like screaming at them on social media, just call it off. You are, you know, endangering people's lives. And ah, just, you know, it just seems like people just like love picking up on the smallest thing to either get angry about or worried about. Indeed. And uh, this is not one of them for me at all. <laughs> I thought it was just, I mean, it was, you know, it, I'm uh, obviously interpreting this in my own way. I have no idea what's going through Lundstrom's mind, but my interpretation is that he's like, that's what I can do. I've shown you that at the start of the season don't forget that I'm, you know, still a big part of this team, even with, uh, you know, my replacement here yeah. already. So, yeah, I thought it was, um, <laughs> I didn't bat an eye at that, to be honest. Um, I loved this sort of, um, you know, fist pump at the uh, at the crowd afterwards. As yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And everyone ah, it's just one of those things. If Billy Sharp does it, everyone's saying, yeah, that's brilliant. You know, he's showing the manager what he's worth. And yeah, oh, yeah so it's, it's the ultimate partridge gif shrug from me. That, to be honest. <laughs> You're really not bothered at all. Absolutely. Um, any other individuals you want to kind of pick out from, from a United side? And then uh, I think we can talk about um, Bournemouth separately. I think it's worth noticing again, I thought, that Fleck were fairly poor in that first 20 minutes and stuff. And I thought our, our game always sort of revolves around him playing well to a, to a mm. big, big degree, I think, at the moment. And I think there were a little bit in the, the end of the first half he played really well. And I thought the, the second half we were on top as well. Again, I thought even though he, I think he only played well by his standards for about half an hour. He certainly weren't man mm. of the match or anything like that. But I think it, they sort of coincided with our most dominant spell of the game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, McBurney, actually, mm. one shout out. Um, do you know what? I'm I'm developing a lot of affection for McBurney. Uh, I didn't, um, you know, I, I was really really unhappy with the um, the drink driving thing. I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe some people were like, oh, yeah, been a bit precious there. But I thought that was a real stupid thing to yeah, do. Yeah. And all right, it's, yeah. he has played not guilty to it, which is curious given the fact he was over the limit <laughs> yeah. to the course. But we'll see how that goes. So I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, certainly not one. I'm losing sleep over or anything like that. But I have to say his development in the last few months on on the pitch in terms of performance but also attitude I think mm. is a real joy to, to behold and he, he's very quickly becoming one of my favourite players and yeah there were a few things yesterday I mean he, he barely had a chance for a shot I don't think there was sort of one blocked in the like half blocked in the first half that kind of looped up into Ramsdale's arms um, but he worked incredibly hard he was yeah. really good in the air I think it was like 10 out of 16 aerial duel aerial duels he gave you know Ake a lot of problems at the back particularly in the air and yeah, I just uh, I like his attitude. I, I thought, you know, a, a great moment right at the very end of the game, uh, literally the last kick of the game. Um, well, all right, the penultimate kick of the game. Yeah, wins the ball on the edge area, flicks it over there, man. Runs to the halfway line, wins a free kick, and it's just like that. 
I said to my dad, like, he's just he's just won the game. He's just finished the game. There, that's it. You know, yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to do one of your famous segues here, but I've actually <laughs> nominated that moment as alternative man of the match. You know, oh, sort of. Yeah, the run where he you know brought a free kick near the end, which you're talking about. And as soon as he did it, I shouted to him, mate, he's getting my alternative man of match for that, just for that alone. <laughs> he was arguably the best player on the pitch anyway, I thought. I think he's definitely had a definitely a contender for the man of the match. But that moment, that was just, he, he was knackered. I was mm. shouting for the last five minutes, take him off, he can't run anymore. And that was just sheer will, weren't it, that he did that? Yeah. I, I love it. I just, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's really grown on me. I mean, I, w- I was not one of these people that was, like, down on him anyway, no. to be honest. But... Yeah, I've, uh, I'm really impressed with him, and I, I think he, he has to start every game from now on. I think you know this. We we have to build. We well, we should build our attack around him. To be honest, yeah, he's been the best strikers in the last five or six games. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe people will be like, "Well, he's only scored like one goal in that period or something like." That, but I, I'm not really bothered as long as we're creating chances, winning games, yeah. and, and he's and he's not playing the, the main centre forward role. He's playing more the didzy role, isn't he? So he's you know he's not he's not going to be around the six yard box like Billy Sharp plays and stuff like mm. that. So, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I think he's been brilliant and definitely the first first striker on the team sheet at the moment. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a good nomination for Alternative Man of the Match. So we can we can segue into that now. So this is a section brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. Uh, we try and pick out someone that maybe doesn't doesn't get the the mainstream attention that they absolutely deserve with United. So you're you're in for Ollie McBurney for for this game. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we go for a double segue here because my my nomination is um, I'd like to nominate John Moss actually the referee okay for not well for ve- eventually getting wise to Bournemouth's <laughs> antics yeah and there's a few other people we can nominate here which we're, we're now going to uh, discuss I think um, first half Bournemouth got a lot of quite soft cheap free kicks I thought and you yeah. know Stevens gets a book in for. Uh, a hefty, if not totally unfair, challenge. But then, I think from about thirty minutes onwards, uh, Moss kind of wised up to it a bit mm-hmm. and um, stopped giving them every little decision where a man went to the floor. Um, and yeah, this is a good point to talk about. Are Bournemouth the most irritating team that we've played this season? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, do you know, I'm doing it. I'm trying to do a neutrals view from again. Uh, we've been the winter break and stuff, so I've been getting a few quotes from uh, different boards and stuff about what they think about United so, season so far. Uh, fishing for praise, as Bournemouth fan might say, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they've um, and it's amazing how many people watching that game said, "Oh, Bournemouth at it again, rolling around. What a surprise!" Oh, really? I'm, I'm talking West Ham, Wolves, Villa. Uh, Brighton, you know, all all these teams saying, oh, here we go, Bournemouth at it again. So it's obviously something that they do week in, week out. It's It were embarrassing, I thought. Really, really. I mean, you sent me the clip this morning of uh, the extended highlights. Uh, where is it? It's Rico, isn't it? Rico, yeah. Where he goes down screaming like he's been... Oh, he's, oh, he's cringing. And it's, it's so audible, isn't it? It's hilarious. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's just this, this piercing shriek as he... Uh, Basically brushes Berger's arm, doesn't he, on, yeah. the, on the way past. I mean, yeah, there's no intention there. Oh, he's not even looking at Berger. He just essentially runs into his hand. But, yeah, I mean, where, where to start? There was so much. I mean, and, and inevitably, you know, it ramps up after they take the lead. You know, immediately, uh, I think it's Berger sort of steams through someone in midfield and wins a header. And, you know, that guy stays yeah. down. Someone else had been down after that. Uh, more or less every cross that went into their box led to somebody getting treatment for a head injury. I mean... 
I honestly thought we should have just given the physio a kit, to be honest, and just said, you might as well just stay on. Like, yeah. just, just, just play left-back or something. Was... I, was, I was thinking of giving him the man of the match, actually, because he seemed to do like, more running than some of their players, to be honest, because <laughs> he was just constantly running on the pitch, weren't they? Yeah, it was, it was embarrassing, and it, it comes off the back of um, Palace last week, of course, and the, the old um, institutionalised bullying comments, which yeah. were, were totally bizarre, and we discussed at length last week. But this was like... I just didn't understand it. They were so weak, and I mean, these can't be genuine injuries. That that one where um, in the first half, Harry Wilson runs into Henderson as Henderson claims the mm, cross. Yeah. Now, ninety nine percent of the time, if that happens, the keeper is the one rolling around being injured in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henderson bounces straight to his feet. Wilson's obviously rolling around on the floor, having run into the goalkeeper. I just thought, get up, man, and yeah. Rico was bad. Smith was bad. I don't know how, why he didn't get booked for diving. Cause... We all do it to a degree. Every team does it to a degree. There's no doubt. And we've had it where we've stayed down five minutes to go. We go down. Oh, we're not really that injured, but, you know, but we want to waste a bit of time. But to do it that often, I, I genuinely did find it embarrassing from a Bournemouth fan point of view. And there's a couple of their fans, in fairness, who have pointed it out on the view from I said, you know, I don't like watching this rolling around sort of thing. It's just, it's beyond, you expect, I don't know, when we came into Premier League, I think we probably expected it from the bigger teams, mm. didn't we, this sort of play acting. You think straight away, Chelsea or uh, Man United, Liverpool, the bigger side, you're thinking, oh yeah, these foreign players. It's English, the English, the more English teams are doing the yeah. more sort of gamesmanship. Palace last week, Bournemouth this week, by far the worst two, I think, uh, in yeah. the entire league. I completely agree, and both managed by English managers, of course. Both you know, one... by English managers, and both with the core of English players, probably more so than most other sides in the league. Yeah, uh, one obviously was the England manager about four years ago, and and one who is um, well, was certainly hyped up as a possible England manager. Yeah, his, his, stock, thought, yeah. <laughs> his stock seems to be sliding somewhat. Yeah, I mean, it's it must have been a deliberate tactic because we were not. Again, I don't feel like we were remotely overly aggressive in this no, game no, at no. all. You know, we. we you know, this is the thing when people are like, "Oh, United, you know, they're they're so robust and they, you know, they are physical and stuff like that." I'm like, look at Liverpool. You know, they would not shirk out of these yes. challenges. They would go and steam through someone to win the ball. Fairly. I said exactly the same after the match. I went went for a pint after, and I said uh, they were rolling around. And I said, "God knows what they do when they play Liverpool because Liverpool bullied us." Mm. So exactly, it's not about us being this big, hard Stoke City style sort of team, Bolton Wanderers under Allardyce. Yeah, we get stuck in, but wow, compared to Liverpool, we're just like fairies, don't we? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not meaning that as a slight on Liverpool. If I was a fan... No, of... not at all. No, I'd love, I'd love that side of Liverpool. Yeah, and I think, you know, fans of, uh, you know, the, the 18 other Premier League teams, I guess, this should be the bare minimum that they want from their players. They should yeah. want them to, you know, with, stay within the laws of the game, obviously, but they should want mm. to be physical and you know stand up to challenges and you know go for headers and yeah. put your body on the line. Ah, oh, it was, it was really frustrating. And then obviously the main flashpoint, I guess, which is bizarre, but has given us a wonderful ten-second video, um, which I've, I've watched many, many times. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, Egan and uh, Gosling <laughs> go for a, a sort of high fifty-fifty on about the halfway line. There is some contact between. Um, Egan and, uh, and and Gosling, you know, he, he kind of raises a foot to try and win the ball. Yeah, it's. I think it probably is a foul. It's certainly not a yellow card. It's certainly not a red card. The ball goes out of play, and uh, Sermon starts on Chris Wilder, which is interesting. Mm. And suddenly everybody's uh, everybody's in the technical area. You know, Wilder's shoving him away. Sermon's shoving him back. 
let's uh, I just want to rank the best things about this from this video. Where do you want to start among the, the many things well, that are shown? No one in seems it? to have noticed, which my mate pointed out to me, is have you seen Moose? I the, haven't, no. Enlighten me. He's just, he's just looking so blankly on the bench. <laughs> it's just sort of the most calm man. Everyone's like pushing and shoving. And he's just in the background looking as if as if nothing's happening in front of him, like he's just, like, stoned or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just sort of, just looking vacantly at this, like, thing going off in front of him. I love that. It was, it's just, like, the most chill man there. But oh, I think the best nice. thing for me has got to be Wilder saying who... I can't say it, obviously, but who are you <laughs> effing pushing? pushing. yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, like you're in town on a night out when someone starts, you've had a too, few too many drinks. Who do you think you're talking to? Yeah, yeah. well, maybe that's why Moose was so chill. He's like, well, yeah, of course Wilder's going to realise. Like, yeah. What, what do you expect, mate? Um, Sermon obviously backing off quite quickly. Uh, I really like McBurney getting amongst it, you know. Yeah. Just, again, looking like... I, I could just imagine him sort of rubbing his hands and be like, oh, yes, here yeah. we go, lads. Sprinting get... over from, like, the striking position. Yeah, it, I loved it. <laughs> he comes running in. Baldock's involved, obviously. Angriest man in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I think the number one thing to come out of this is Alan Nill. Yeah, that's that would be my number one, undoubtedly, yeah. It's, I mean, it looks like he's having the best time he's ever had in his distinguished <laughs> footballing career. Big, big grin on his face. I think he's holding the ball at this point, isn't he? He is, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just stood in the background with a big smile on his face, just just loving it. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, it ends actually in... Uh, and, and this is why I'm uh, nominating John John Moss as my um, alternative man of the match, because he didn't give a free kick, give a throw... Give a, um, I think it was a throw-in, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It went a yeah. foul. Yeah, well, indeed. Um, but yeah, I just... You know, I didn't expect to have a game with Bournemouth to be have any needle to it as well. I mean, look, they brought like six hundred away fans. They're a they're probably the most benign team in not just in the Premier League, but say again, sorry, Bagemouth. Bagemouth. That's my another one of our awful, awful puns. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to your uh, pod, podcast. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say yet, so. <laughs> Just sit on it a bit longer. <laughs> anyway, yes, Bagemouth, quite. Um, yeah, I didn't expect this game to have any... You know, look at Eddie Howe, he's like, you know, Mr. Nicey-Nicey, isn't he? You know, it's just his whole kind of public demeanour is like, oh, you know, I tried really hard today and I'm working really as hard as I can behind the scenes yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And didn't expect that from him. Didn't expect it from Hodgson's team last week at all. Um, but yeah, there we are. We've got. You were uh... like in the first game, though. Not as bad as that, but mm. Fraser in particular were going down all the time in the first game, and he seems like his uh, influence has rubbed off on the rest of the team. Yeah. Oh, he was awful in that first game. I don't feel like he was too bad in this one. There were a couple of flops where, yeah. where he's on, on the floor. But yeah. Um, where does Chris Wilder rank on the Premier League managers you wouldn't pick a fight with standings? This is difficult, this. Uh, I think Moyes is probably hard, because you look at him, he's got nothing to lose. <laughs> um, <laughs> your Moyes worries me. I, I, wouldn't want to, uh, I wouldn't want to be stood next to him in a pub, or like that. It's no, just, no, no. I think he, he looks at you as like, every time he looks at an interviewer, it's like they've spilt his pint. That's why he's mm. Moyes. He's like, looks at you, how, what, how dare you ask me this question? Dash mm. clearly eats nails. You know, there's yeah. no, no messing about him. Pearson... Probably should be sectioned just because he's clearly <laughs> insane. Like he's trying to pretend he's normal now, only by wearing glasses. But we all remember these interviews at Leicester and the nonsense he were coming out with. So I probably maybe fourth, maybe fourth in the Premier League. Yeah, I, yeah possibly Klopp. Go back, Guardiola can 
you know, if he if he didn't dress in a cardigan or whatever he dresses in, I imagine he's you know he can get stuck in. But yeah, I think he's definitely the top five anyway, top five or six. Uh, I'd have, I'd have uh, Pep and Klopp firmly mid table on this one. I think. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think Pearson is my number one. But yeah, definitely Wilder's very high on the uh, do not do not pick a fight with. Um, yeah. Who, who would be your uh, top three pushovers? You've got to say Eddie Howe. I mean, a centre half yeah. who looks that fresh faced. Obviously, I forgot he played centre-half, yeah, yeah. Yeah, has he ever won an header in his life? Like, <laughs> he, he looks like about 12. Centre-halves don't look like Eddie Howe. So, I think he's made a career of letting other people do his fighting for him. And I think Daniel Farr looks like a WWE wrestler, but he speaks like a, a therapist. You're like, you're really well today, you know, you're, you're very, very good. And I don't know, you look at him, you think, you imagine going, oh, no, 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 you're really like sort of masculine voice. And he's just like the most softly spoken man in the world. So, he might be... It might be tough, but I think imagine him like saying, I- "I'll fight you," you know. <laughs> yeah, I imagine he'd back down quite quickly. Yeah, Solskjaer, exactly. Solskjaer strikes me as a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a wimp, to be honest. He knows Roy Keane now. That's the only problem with Solskjaer. Uh, that's a good shout. <laughs> Roy Keane uh, is obviously like eating your nan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just. He's, I mean, I don't know how old he is now. I don't want to be ageist or anything, but yeah, I won't. If he uh, if he um, started me in a bar or something, I don't think I'd be too too worried about that. <laughs> probably just to allow him to. It's just like when Mr. Burns is trying to beat up Homer, and it's just like very gently tapping him with a, yeah. With a bat. Um, yeah, Steve Bruce as well probably falls into that category. Um, I, I feel I don't feel like Bruce could go a couple of rounds. Put it like that, you could just no just he's tire more, him out. If he gets you in his bear hug though or something, I reckon that he's uh, yeah he'd be, he'd be struggling to get away from it to be honest. Yeah, that's a good one. Jose showed he can uh, he can still move when he needs to this yes. week with the uh, VAR reaction. Yeah, uh, Arteta would worry me slightly. Mm. I, I feel like he would sort of produce a knife from somewhere when you're not expecting it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. He's got he's got contacts. Business. I think Arteta. That's why he's. I don't know. I imagine that even if you beat him up. You'll get a knock at your door day after, and it'll be some sort of gangsters that <laughs> yeah. take. <you. laughs> yeah, for sure. So we, we've probably seen uh, one of the hardest and one of the softest managers in terms of who you could take in a fight uh, in this game. I think. Did Eddie um, get involved at all? I don't. I don't remember him on the clip. I don't think he did. Um, it just seemed to be their players, to be honest. And then um, it was a fella in the shirt. Any idea? With glasses. Uh, white shirt? No idea. Absolutely no, no idea. Wild as mind doing um, something. No, like. I really, really, really don't know. No, but it was uh, it was a good moment, and uh, yeah, again, again handled well, I thought by uh, by Moss. So yeah, uh, you know th- that could have been. I, I expected uh, Wilder to be sent to the stands for shoving a player, even <laughs> if you know the player started it. I thought it was going to um, get sent off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but just uh, just the yellow card for him, which still seems like a weird thing that managers <laughs> get. But there you go. Um, so yeah, all the same, you know. I, Moss was the uh, was he not the VAR official for the Spurs McGoldrick goal? Yeah, it was him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, John, I can't give you this award because you've denied me a fantastic <laughs> denied us that McGoldrick goal. McGoldrick would be on ten goals by now if that one had. Uh, yeah, out. yeah, definitely. Yeah, be top of the league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to go McBurney this week. Uh, he uh, he deserves it, even if he's not on the score sheet. So uh, yeah, he is the alternative man of the match. Brought to you by Dem Blades now. I have some information to give you about the Demblades fanzine. This year, Demblades are innovating. We'll be getting creative with our paper form and a drawing on cultural influences and uh, to, to prove irrefutably the game can actually be played on paper. The first edition of 2020 is published in March. They are looking at present and past in this one. It will have two flippable front covers. Uh, you can dive into the warm waters of the current team 
and bask in Chris Wilder's glorious sunshine or go back in time. You'll only need to flip the fanzine on its head and traverse texts about the decade just gone and far beyond. It includes interviews with Michael Doyle, Neil Collins, Seth Bennett, Peter Cachorro, and head of GB Swimming and Sheffield United fan Bill Furness. Uh, you can pre-order issue five and subscribe for the whole of 2020 by visiting denblaze.co.uk. So uh, do go and check it out. Right, just before we finish up this week, uh, quick question. Um, well, maybe not quick. We'll, we'll see how quick it goes. But we've obviously played a few games now without David McGoldrick mm. in the team. I just mentioned him there. I guess there's a bit of a debate as to if we are less good without McGoldrick or, or less fluid um, what what do you think? What's your what's your first reaction? Are we are we missing McGoldrick in terms of how we're playing? Does it does it worry you that we don't how we look when he doesn't play, or or do you think actually we've been absolutely fine and nothing to concern yourself with I, whatsoever? It's really difficult this because obviously you you posed me this question like last night, obviously on the notes to do this pod and stuff, and I thought about it for a good ten minutes, and I I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. He's used to us in the way we play, but he did play against West Ham. We were equally as unfluid, which is not a word, but you know, um, yeah, uh, solid, solid, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, we were equally like not as uh, fluid as we uh, would have been in, in, in that game. As we normally, I should say. So it's really difficult, and especially like I, I don't like him and McBurney playing together. I don't know if that works as well. It's certainly not worked as well uh, mm. that well so far when I've seen them both. And McBurney's got the shirt at the moment, so it's really tough I'd, I'd, re- I'd like to hear your views on this actually because I'm sort of caught in the middle of I, I don't know I can't work, can't make my mind up if it's just the just the way the games have gone recently we've played better sides obviously in Man City mm. and teams are wising up to us a little bit and you, even with the stuff with Bournemouth going down all the time people are coming to Bramall Lane and looking for a point now and being happy yeah. with it that makes a big difference so I can't work out whether how much is that to do with McGoldrick and how much is that to do with the way the season's gone? Yeah, I I think we are playing differently and perhaps it's less easy on the eye. We mm. must be slightly more direct with the, with McBurney in the team. But yeah, I, I'd argue it's still pretty effective, you know. I mean, I looked at um, some of the stats on this. So the first 20 games of the season, so that runs up to the end of 2019, uh, we're averaging 1.3 expected goal per game, uh, which is 14th best in the Premier League. Since then, we're averaging 1.15. Sorry, since then, we're averaging 1.23. So a very, very slight decrease and actually seventh best in the Premier League over that time period as it happens. So mm. in terms of chance creation, that's very, very negligible. And obviously, those six games include games against Man City and Liverpool as well. So mm. I would say from an attacking point of view, in terms of creating chances, we're basically the same. You know, we, we're getting there in in different fashion I guess but mm. that's not particularly alarming I don't think the shots per game season as a whole we're averaging 10 last six games we're averaging 9.66 so very I said last decline. week actually that, I said last week that we, we did this last season we started off really mm. easy on the eye really sort of fluent winning games three or four then we definitely became a little bit more solid a little bit more direct with Gary Medine coming in obviously as well and it still worked and this is what I think is really good about this team. I don't, I don't feel embarrassed by playing a little bit more direct if we have to, because if teams have worked, not worked you out, but if teams think you're going to play a one way and you're mixing up with a few, you know, longer balls and more physical playing stuff, that's got to be good. It's, it's, you don't want to just be playing one way, do you? No, uh, because yeah, you you well you get you do actually get found out. You know, teams adapt to, I suppose. Mm. And, yeah, so I, I think we've you know perhaps been less uh, attractive to watch, you know, but I, I also. 
I also wonder if uh, if we hark back to some of those earlier games in the season as you know a little bit of um, uh, roasting at spectacles, I guess of of like, oh, weren't we fantastic in that game? And and actually, in a lot of those games, we weren't fantastic. You know, mm. if you go right back to the start of the season, very tentative, created you know very few chances in a lot of games. There's definitely you know a few games here and there, like you know the Bur- uh, excuse me the Burnley game, for example, was you know total dominance. To be honest, that was possibly yeah. our best nine minutes of the season. Um, but then there's a lot of other games. You know, West Ham, we were not very good for a half, I didn't think. You know, we created very, uh, away game, this is. Uh, Watford away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, McGoldrick didn't play in that one, so that's a bad example. But, you know, there, there's been plenty of games this season that McGoldrick has played in, and we haven't actually yeah. looked that good. Um, so, yeah. But the West Ham I, I at think... home obviously played. We weren't really fluent in that one either, were we? So No, that's true. So, yeah, I... I don't think it's a, a concern, to be honest. Um, I don't think we're. I don't think we're appreciably worse. I think we're basically creating chances at the same degree. We're obviously picking up points uh, at basically the same degree. Obviously, if you write off the City and Liverpool games because they beat everybody pretty much. So, no. The thing no is, real everyone looks. At, I think the arguably the peak of our play in terms of easy on yeah, we're arguably probably Man U at home. Would you say? In yeah, that first I half, so. should I say, the first half of Man United at home where we were interchanging and we looked a really, really good side. We've not quite reached those levels and stuff like that, but teams have definitely shown us more respect. And I also think we've improved in another way from that Man United game. It's easy to say it, but I don't know if we can see three goals. I think the confidence has improved so much in the team. We believe now that we can win these games. So it's it's a... I think you're taking away a little bit, uh, playing in a more sort of solid way, but we're also gaining a little bit as well, I think. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, nothing that I'm uh, remotely concerned about um, at all. I think defensively we've been, you know, I think we we benefit from McBurney defensively as well, Mm. you know. Yeah. A lot of tackles, a lot of headers from corners and stuff, which McGoldrick does as well, to be fair. Um, I guess the final point on this is, and this again is classic Wilder, I think. You know, McGoldrick's obviously been out of the team for four or five games now with this injury, and I think it's really hard for him to get back in now because yeah. you know you kind of you kind of said it there. Uh, I'm not sure playing him with McBurney is is successful. I mean, maybe we'll be proven wrong in a few weeks, but yeah. you, I don't think you can not play McBurney now. So yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. We, we you know we're kind of so reliant on McGoldrick. It would definitely have been my. Um, I guess player of the season through the first maybe three or four months of the season. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of our most important players. Yep, but great, yeah. But now he's been it's kind of just out of necessity. We're adapting to life without him, which obviously we're gonna to have to do at some point because he's he's not gonna be uh around for too many more years, I wouldn't have thought. Um playing yeah, at this level. Certainly. I think for instance I think the next game you play the same team against Brighton. I think Sharp and McBurney get up front, I think they both deserve it. And then mm. I think in the cup game against Reading that that's where I bring McGoldrick back. Yeah, on uh, our march to Wembley, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm, uh, I've completely changed my tune on the cup now. I'm, I'm, I want the strongest team. Let's let's try and mm. get as far as we can. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, we've we've got some, I guess, gaps between games now, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Let's bring that up again. Let's, uh, so we play Brighton on the twenty second, don't we? Bright- then yeah, it's- then it's a week off again because it was supposed to be the Villa game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they're in the uh, calling. Oh, I've done it again. <laughs> yeah, Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> not the calling Cup. Um, yeah. So we and then yeah, it's Norwich four days later. But I mean, you know, I don't know. We're probably not going to get into Europe, but 
<laughs> so I think we can afford to take the cup seriously. I'd go for it. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think we should play the reserves in the cup, but I think it is a good opportunity as well to get McGoldrick a bit of game time, getting back in, maybe in Moose up front or something like that uh, against mm. Reading. I imagine that should be enough. And I'd also play Lundstrom in that game as well. And maybe even play Berg in the Norwood role, see how it goes on. But I don't want to mm. like, mess about with the team too much. But at the same time, I think there is opportunities there for trying maybe you know the odd, odd couple of things out. Maybe it is a good time to bring McGoldrick back in. Yeah, and this is, um, yeah, I mean, it it's kind of harks back to what I was saying about Berger actually earlier, is um, we're in such a good position to, you know, we can really spend the next, what, 10 games or so, like, integrating him into the team. You know, it's it doesn't really matter if we lose to Brighton and Norwich at home. I mean, it'll yeah. obviously scotch our chances of making the Champions League, <laughs> but it doesn't Disaster. really matter, does it? We'll still be a Premier League team next season. I know there's, I know it's like two and a half million or whatever it is for every every place up and down the league that you finish. But yeah, so we're, we're in such a great position to integrate him and, um, you know, get a get a look at uh, Retzos potentially as well. Um, he was on the bench today. Do you know the scoreboard spot his name wrong, which really annoyed me? But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 it didn't even go with Restos. It went with Restsos, just to be doubly confusing, I think. In fact, uh, there was a few things. Gary Sinclair announced uh, Fraser coming off twice in this game, and I think he introduced... Uh, Burger is number 22 instead of 32. Did you so. realise? you more attention to detail than I've got there, to be fair, because I didn't realise yeah. that at all. Must have been uh, affected by the weather. Maybe he wasn't expecting this game to go ahead either. But uh, we'll let him off. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap up there then. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a break until the next game now. In a phenomenal position. 39 points. Two points behind Chelsea. Which yep. will never stop being amusing at this point. Fifth. <laughs> In the Premier League, how many points are we clear of relegation? Just for anyone who's still counting, fifteen points. Yeah, I it's think, seven I think... points clear of Arsenal, aren't they? Uh, eight points. It's February. Yeah, <laughs> it's the middle of February. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It is insane, and um, yeah, I don't know. We, I said it before the last one. You know, with three home games in a row, we're going to be the favourites in all three of them. There's. It's certainly not going to be a surprise if we get nine points out of those three games. No. And if we do, we're going to be pretty close to Chelsea, I think. So. I don't want to talk about it. I've got my fingers <laughs> in my ears here, Mark. <laughs> well, yeah, surely everyone's at least accepted that we're not getting relegated this season. So enjoy it. You've got, there's nothing to moan about. Even even Lundstrom's celebration or Moussa eating a burger in, in Dubai <laughs> and posting it on Instagram. Or two burgers, I should say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was one burger cut in half. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a large portion of chips and garlic bread on the side, though. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure the players have been given uh, given license to enjoy themselves for a yeah. couple of days. They're obviously on some warm weather training, and uh, yeah, looking outside, I, I think I quite like some warm weather yeah. something, if not yeah, warm exactly, weather training. Yeah. Warm weather, sitting sitting down in the sunshine, perhaps. Um, right, let's finish there, then, mate. Uh, where can people check out uh, check out your stuff? It's RoysViewFrom.com or at Ponchero. Uh, probably be doing some neutral views this week, hopefully. Uh, we've been the winter break and then some loan updates as well, so just to keep things ticking over until the... It's boring, isn't it, this winter break? Want <laughs> another game now? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is for us. I mean, I suppose at least, um, at least they've split uh, the... Yeah. Yeah. Premier League fixtures on it, so there is still some football, and there's there's football tonight. And there actually, oh yes, I'm looking forward to that Brentford Leeds game tonight. I was going to say the latest instalment in uh, Leeds making themselves and me look stupid because I said about six weeks ago that they were definitely up. I did. I think everyone thought they were up. I think uh, it's just insane. And obviously, we're going on a massive tangent here about Leeds, but 
it's almost like a joke. It's just like, what are they doing? I don't. They're quite clearly, in my opinion, the best side in that league when when they're on form, the way they play, the uh, how hard they are to stop. But I, I don't know. It's got to be a mentality, hasn't it? If they don't, I mean, we've said it a few times. If they don't come up this season, they should probably just consider folding and you know, yeah. setting up a new club. To be honest, there's a thing in the mirror today actually, and it's a uh, be a two page spread Bielsa myth or legend or something like that. You know, like is it is he just a myth? <laughs> so the yeah, the it's like he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> so like like dragons or something. Yeah. Is he a myth? <laughs> yeah, so it's something like that anyway. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen him on television. Yeah, I got that wrong. I probably paraphrased him, but it's something along the lines. Basically, they're, they're saying, like, is he all that? So I hope they don't go up purely because of a, a very minor argument I had with a Leeds fan who, where I said, while they were better than Bielsa. So just based on that alone, yeah, I hope they don't go up. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think you uh, probably. Probably comprehensively won that argument, I yeah, would imagine, I that, or, yeah. <laughs> at least from from my perspective. Yeah. Anyway, mate, thank you very much Cheers, as man. always for uh, for coming on, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. I think we'll uh, we'll have a, a quick chat. We've got something in the works for either this break or the next international break, so we'll have a, yep. a little chat about what's uh, what's best to do with that one. But yeah. yeah, nice one. Thanks as always for coming on. Yeah, cheers for having me, mate. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to the Denblades fanzine for being a sponsor. And thanks also to Beer52.com, who are also one of the sponsors of Blades Pod. Now, if you like me, football and a few beers go together very nicely. Beer52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to Blades Pod subscribers. All you need to do is head to Beer52.com slash BladesPod. Sign up and cover the £4.95 for postage and they will send you a case of eight free beers. And not just any beers, they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They are on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. Beer 52 do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today and get your free case of craft beer. Get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash bladespod.